We thank the Lord because he knows exactly what to do. And, um, and, and I hope you believe that tonight. I hope you know that tonight, that God knows exactly what to do. I want to share with you that God knows not only what to do, God also knows what not to do. And that's a, that's a concept that's a little bit foreign to us at times because there are some things that, um, that, that God won't do for us because it's in our best interest that he not do so. There are some things, there are some lessons that have to be learned. This is why, brothers and sisters, God don't always just come and bail you out as soon as you get into trouble. He doesn't always just come and, uh, and get me out of trouble as soon as I call on him. Sometimes, unfortunately, in today's, uh, um, um, I would say, modern belief system, as far as the scripture, you get a lot of people who almost act as though, you know, God is some kind of genie in a bottle that you just rub and the lamp and he comes on out and he just and hooks you up. No, 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 no. <laughs> the one true God don't work like that. And, um, and, and I'm glad that he doesn't work like that. I'm glad that every time I call on him and every time Lord, that, that there are some times where he doesn't answer right away because he allows us to grow. Now we are continuing on this journey for of understanding deliverance. Um, I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles. Uh, we are back in the book of Judges. We are in chapter three. We are starting at verse 12. We are making our way all the way through verse 15. Uh, we, we, um, we're going to continue this evening in that same uh, vein. Uh, I don't know about you, but God has just been been, been talking um, uh, talking to us uh, in this uh, this area of deliverance, and I, and, and just it's, it, I, I have just learned so much going through it. I hope you've been learning something as well. Judges chapter twelve, chap, excuse me, Judges chapter three, verse starting at verse number twelve says. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So, verse 14, the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, uh, Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, a, left, a man left-handed. Uh, and by him, the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. Now, we're continuing this whole thing. We learned uh, quite a bit about, uh, about uh, um, the, uh, this, this story, uh, this, uh, this, this historical event in the scripture that is recorded for our benefit, okay? We've been, we learned uh, quite a bit, for those of you who were on the uh, call last week, um, we backed into this by doing a, a bit of a uh, overview of what was going on in the book of Judges. And one of the things that we talked about last week that I hope you made note of is, is that whenever you're talking about deliverance or, you're, or you're, you're, you're contemplating the concept of deliverance or you want to know and get an understanding of deliverance and the different nuances or flavors that are kind of contained or nestled within this topic, uh, the greater topic of deliverance, 
um, there's almost no better book than the book of Judges uh, to go to because literally, you, you can literally almost just call that a book of deliverance because within the book of Judges, we have in this text uh, so many different examples of uh, deliverance. And we see the different, not only the different forms that it took, but we also see the responses of the people to the deliverance when it took place. This is key. Why is that key? Because the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. And when you look at today, some of you have experienced this very thing that I'm getting ready to talk about. Some of you have experienced um, um, working with somebody, uh, somebody who has been bound and just, uh, I mean, just tied up, tangled up, messed up in, 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 in addiction, in bondage or whatnot. And then they, God delivers them. You work with them and you're praying with them and you're encouraging them and you're, you're fighting with them through prayer. You are standing in the gap and amen for somebody who stands in the gap, somebody that'll pray for you when you can't pray for yourself. But at any rate, you pray for this person and you put in time, you put in work to, 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 to see this person through and you allow God to work through you. And this person seemingly comes through on the other end of deliverance, okay? But then only for that deliverance, it seemed like it's short-lived or something happened and all of a sudden they begin to, 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 to regress. And, and you're like, well, what in the world happened? Well, the book of Judges, tells you or shows you what happened. That's why it's a good book for you to make sure that you understand or that you are familiar with whenever you are talking about deliverance. Why? Because sometimes we fall victim to the misunderstanding of how deliverance works or the things that can occur in the process of deliverance. Sometimes we make mistakes thinking that deliverance is just, you know, it's a one hit or quitter. As soon as God do it, it's done. That's the, nah, no, 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 no. It can be. Sometimes it is. But, but, but because we have this human or this flesh nature, most time it's not that way. It is a cycle. And so one of the things that we talked about last week was this whole judges cycle that you could see from the book of judges, which really, um, which really um, mirrors the, the um, deliverance for today. And that cycle we said last week was sin, repentance, and salvation, okay? We talked about that, and this is what is known as the, uh, the judges cycle. And throughout the, uh, the book of Judges, you see this same thing um, repeated. Because as with the children of Israel, okay? And we said that specifically, if we were to break that cycle down, and really just outline what it is, then what that cycle actually consisted of was this. Israel would do evil and worship uh, false gods, okay? Then they would go, then God would become angry, and, it, and, 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 and God would hand them over to uh, an enemy nation. Then the next thing, Israel would cry out for help. Then follow that, uh, God would raise up a judge or, um, or, or, or deliver someone who would deliver them from the enemy. And then no sooner than that, what would they do? Israel would return right back to the foreign gods. Wash, rinse, and repeat. They would follow this same pattern all throughout the book of Judges. And we said last week that just as the children of Israel followed that pattern, we also follow that same pattern many times when it comes to our 
deliverance. And that's something that we got to be aware of. Why? Because it's something that we got to guard against. We're going to learn or we're learning to recognize the signs of those things. When am I getting off track? When am I starting to derail? When am I starting to, to, to lose my zeal and that luster, that, that desire to do what God has told me to do? I have to learn to become observant of that. Why? Because deliverance is granted or is given by God. And deliverance only maintains or can only be maintained, amen, by staying in compliance with God. So in other words, you can't just jump off of the train just because things are going well and all of a sudden you're going off-road and you know what, I, I got this, God. Thank you for the help, Jesus, but I got this now. No, brother and sister, you don't have it and you're not going to have it till you get to heaven. So you might as well stay right on the train and keep going with the Lord until you get to the end because any exit prior to that, all that's going to do is have you right back in bondage. Now, so we learned about that cycle and we, and, and, and we, talk, and we talked about that, okay? And we said that there was a reason why we, we tend to go through this, right? Why? Because we struggle in the area of walking in our deliverance. And we saw that in Galatians, and we looked at Galatians 5 and 16 for that. We also said that we struggle with staying delivered. Why? Because at times we walk away from our deliverance. And for that scripture set, we looked at James chapter one, verses 12 through 17. So make sure you guys um, are, if you're taking notes, write those scriptures down. So that first one was Galatians 5, 16. The second set was James uh, chapter one, 12 through 17. So we, deli we, we, we deal with all of these things. And what happens is, is that when we get off course, this puts us back at the starting state of needing to be delivered all over again. That we, we, we literally, we press the reset button. All right. Now, in our text, we said chapter uh, uh, in, in the book of Judges, chapter three, verse 12. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against them. Now, we talked about this. Uh, we talked about this last week, okay? Now, we talked about there are two different, um, it, it, between verses 12 and, thir and 13, we, we come across two different types of people, okay? We come across um, the Moabites and we come across, across the Amalekites, okay? All right, or the children of, of, of Ammon. And we said that both of these people were not necessarily native to the, to the land of Canaan. So the land that the children of Israel, that God had given them when they went into the land of Israel, or in the land of Canaan, let me say it that way. When they went, when the children of Israel um, left Egypt, okay, and, and under Joshua, because remember, Moses didn't get to go into the uh, promised land. No, no, he didn't get, he got to see it, but he was forbidden, you know what I'm saying? But he was forbidden to enter it, and that was because he disobeyed God. See, God ain't playing with nobody, not even Moses. So you know if God shut down the, the promised land for Moses out for disobedience, what will he do to you and to me when we decide that we're going to take a back seat on walking according to the will of God and we take up that failed practice of living in sin? No, no, God's no respecter of person. And if, Moses, and, if, and, if, and, and if Moses didn't make the cut, don't, they, we ain't even no need us entertaining the idea that somehow we're going to squeak by. No, you're not going to squeak by. That wheel is rusty. God hears it a mile away and he's going to put a stop to it. So we might as well get in line with what God says. Now we said that the, 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 the children of Israel, when they entered into the, the land of Canaan under Joshua, all right, 
the successor to Moses, okay? So when they got in there, there were two peoples that were not part of that. So they, 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 they had an uphill battle and they had to do all kind of fighting and battling all in the land of Canaan. But two people that were not native from the land of Canaan or groups of people were the Moabites and the Amalekites, okay? They were not, they were not there. We said that they, they occupied this territory known as the, or that they hailed from what was known as the Transjordan. And we said that that Transjordan really is just a word or a name that means, that represents or refers to the region east of the Jordan River, okay? So they weren't actually part of that, that location, but they were antagonistic to the people of God, amen. And you need, and, and, that's, and that is, and that's good to know. And I, and I wish we had time to do a real just deep dive on that because that, I'm, I'm telling you, that would take the lesson into like a whole nother, I mean, just just the depths that it will go to, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave that part there. They were not native, okay? They were prop. They, 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 they were, they, 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 they were outside the land, okay? Listen, your, 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 the things that we get are in bondage to. They're not native to your life. They, they, they're not. They, 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 many of the things that we get messed up and we get tied up in, much like the Moabites and the Amalekites were not native to the land that God had given them. Amen. Much like that, so too are the problems and the addictions and the bondage that we get into. These are not things that God put into your life. These are not things that God had set up and God's desire and his will was for you and I to fall into that. None. And in God's plan that you fall into sin. Even though you have a sinful nature, and even though I have a sinful nature because we inherit it from our greatest grandfather and grandmother, Adam and Eve, even though we have a sin nature, you got to understand God's intention was still not for you to fail. Uh -uh. God planned for you to win. God planned for me to be victorious, to live victorious, to live above the noise the noise of addiction, the noise of bondage, the noise of these things, God calls you by his name. And his name is greater than anything else. And, 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 and with that, God didn't intend for you and I to be in bondage and to be dragged down and to be wrestled to the ground by these, by these things that were not even supposed to be in our lives. But situation, you gotta understand, just like the Moabites and the Amalekites, <laughs> just like they were transitionary, just like they were trans, they, they were people who were passing through, who passed into the lives of the children of Israel and decided that they was going to take up the cause against them where instead of for them. Amen. Amen. I wish we had time to go into all that. But just as they were blowing through the wind, just crossing paths, so too is it with the things that come into our life. Nobody makes you say yes when you're supposed to say no. There ain't nobody making you give up and give in when you and I know better. No, 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 no. But what happens is, is, is that when those things come into our lives, amen, and we have not been living and walking consecrated, or maybe we haven't even known the way, and maybe this is all that we have known. We, we didn't come up in a household that was taught the right, that was that, that were, where, where people were taught the right thing. We weren't taught the ways of God. That can happen too. Regardless of what the circumstances was, when the situation came up, we didn't have in our place or in our possession 
what we needed at that time necessarily. Why? Because we weren't as in touch or connected with God as we are now. Hopefully y'all in touch with God. Hopefully we are connected with God the way he wants us to be. But during that time, we weren't walking strong in the Lord. No, no, no. We took a back seat for one reason or another. That back seat simply could be because we simply decided we weren't going to do it. Or it could be because, you know what, this is all I knew to do, right? And it never occurred to me that I needed to do anything else, that there was a God that had a plan that was greater for my life. And he had an image and he had a picture and he had a goal for my life that eclipsed what I was getting ready to settle for. Regardless of what the reason is, those things were never meant to be in our lives and to keep us and to remain in our lives. So just like with the Amalekites and the Moabites, we too get bond, we too find ourselves in bondage to these things that really were never meant to be fixtures in our life. They should have just kept right on moving. But for whatever reason, we 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 found ourselves in a in a in a position where we allowed these things to stay. Now the word said. It said in verse number 12, and the children of Israel did evil again, uh, evil again in the sight of the Lord. And we learned that that evil really represented or meant objectionable behavior. So basically wrongdoing. So you can plug and play you, whatever it is you want to think of that's wrong, that will fit. Okay. So you can substitute that for whatever you can think of or imagine that is, you know, that is wrong. Okay. That is evil. That is wrongdoing. And we learned in Micah 6 and 8, that, 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 that there is actually something that God wants us to do, which says, he has showed thee, O man, man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. The, 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 the children of Israel getting ready to get in trouble because they did evil. But just like with the children of Israel, the same is with us. God don't want you to be doing evil. God does not want us to be walking in deceit and walking in wrongdoing. No, Micah 6 and 8 tells us exactly what God wants us to do. And if you boil that down, it is simply telling you that God wants you and I to do the right thing. Do the right thing. That is what God actually wants you to do. Do the right thing. So, they, so the Bible says they did evil again, okay? So they were repeat offenders. They, 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 they continue to do the thing that was contrary to God. Brothers and sisters, when you start looking for deliverance, okay, let me just tell you right now, as long as you keep entertaining, doing what you got no business doing, your deliverance is either going to be short-lived if you get delivered at all, okay? I'm telling you right now, you cannot have deliverance, nor can you maintain deliverance with a mindset that is given to doing the wrong thing over and over and over and over again. That is not going to happen. The next word that we looked at in our text there, okay, is that the Bible says that they did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And we learned that that one was pretty heavy, right? Because sight really means, uh, because, uh, because that sight, uh, it doesn't mean that God just saw it. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that, Okay. But, but, but what it really got into, but what it meant was, was that God literally took inventory. God took, not, God didn't just glance at what they did. <laughs> no, no, that's not what he did. God literally took what they did and then lined it up against 
what he wanted them to do. And he found a discrepancy. That is what it means. It doesn't mean that he just saw it. It literally means that God compared it. God, God, God made a judgment on the quality of that thing. Okay. God literally examined what they were doing. And the scripture that we gave an example for was in Daniel 5, 26 and 27. Amen. This is the interpret, uh, interpretation of the thing, meaning God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balance and art found wanting. And we learned that, that Belshazzar, um, there was some handwriting on the wall, all in this king's party and all this other kind of stuff or his gathering. And all of a sudden, God starts writing on the wall. And all of a sudden, he almost, he just loses his cool. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Is a hand that ain't attached to nothing, and it's writing on the wall, and it's writing these words. So Daniel's get called to interpret these things. And so when the prophet comes in, the man of God comes in, he interprets that whole thing. And what the interpretation is, is a simply that God has numbered your kingdom, and he's finished it, what? And that he has weighed you in the balances, and he found you wanting. And we use that scripture as an example to show you that, guess what? God examined. God don't just look at stuff. God compares what you're doing. God don't bless mess is what we talked about. Now, God's ways, we got to understand Isaiah 55, 8. Um, some of you um, on this call, you, you listened to the message last night. Um, Pastor Lopez talked of use this, this very scripture, Isaiah 55 and 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Listen, God examined the children of Israel and he found a discrepancy. And brothers and sisters, listen, how is it that we got that? Why is it that God finds a discrepancy? What, what, what makes it so that God finds a discrepancy when he examines our stuff? Well, one thing is that, that, is, is that when you keep trying and I keep trying to uh, take what God wants and substitute it for what I want, but then play it off as if what I want is what God actually wants. Hold on, that don't work. That does not work. Because you cannot, sub listen, your, your idea, your concept of right and wrong is not the same as God's. It's, it's on a different level. And as long as you keep trying to substitute your righteousness or the way you want to do it or the way that I want to do it, as long as I keep trying to substitute my own righteousness in place of God's righteousness, then as long as I keep trying to take what I want to do, and just because I gave it a, a, a Holy Ghost gloss and, 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 and fresh coat of paint, I'm going to act like underneath that paint that that's also what God, no, it ain't. It's not, it ain't even almost what God wants. What God wants is what God wants. And what you want is what you want. And what happened, the challenge is, is getting our desires in line with God's desires. And Isaiah 55 and 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, um, neither are your ways my ways. Brothers and sisters, if you're going to be delivered and you're going to walk in deliverance, you got to understand deliver, you are not going to have that deliverance and you're not going to walk in that deliverance as long as, as long as you and I continue to try to substitute our own righteousness for what God calls righteousness, it's not going to work. See, because what happens is, is that we, 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 we take it easy. We give ourselves a pass. We'll be like, you know, you've done enough. I, you know, you've gone far. You know what? This is enough. God knows your heart. God know. Listen, God know what he said. God knows what he said. And what he said is not what you said. It's not what I said. And that is where we get into this discrepancy. 
God sees everything. One of the uh, the 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 the, the, um, the um, Deuterocanonical books, or the books written in the in, during the the intertestamental period, says that the the eyes of the Lord are ten thousand times brighter than the sun. You can't get over on God. You cannot get anything past God. First Samuel sixteen and seven says this. Uh, tells us and reveals to us that God searches the heart. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on that heart. Listen, brothers and sisters, God is searching the heart. God knows Listen, when you when I come to God wanting deliverance, when you come to God wanting deliverance, God knows if you're serious about it. And sometimes some people do not experience deliverance because when they go to God for deliverance, there is a discrepancy. They don't really want deliverance. And so they get absolutely nothing because they want absolutely nothing. Well, let me rephrase that. They want what they already have. They don't want what God has for them because to have what God wants for you means you're going to have to give up the stuff that you got. And that is where we run into problems. Do you remember the, the, the New Testament scripture? Man comes to the Lord, comes to Jesus talking about, you know, Lord, I, I kept all your commandments. I want to follow you. I want to do all this other kind of stuff and, and so on and so forth. I kept the commandments as, as a youth. And, and, you know, Jesus, I've done all these, I've done all these things. And Jesus said, and Jesus, and Jesus said, you know, okay, what thing you lack? <laughs> and, and I can almost imagine a man saying, okay, Jesus, lay it on me. What is it? What's the one thing that I lack? He said, go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. And the same thing, the same call always goes out or precedes deliverance. You got, if you want deliverance, you will have to sell all, meaning everything that is not right or that thing that is not right, brothers and sisters, if you want deliverance, you got to be willing to give it up. Got to be willing. You got to be willing to give it up. And as long as your mind is not turn to the next page and you still want the chaos, you still want the dysfunction, you still want to, to, to the get rich quick scheme, you still want the scandal, you still want the unrighteousness, as long as you still got a, got a desire for the stuff that is contrary to the will of God, deliverance is not going to take root. It's not going to take root and you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. You're going to be one of those people who are disappointed Going around talking about, I talk, I, you know, I ask God, but he never helped me. Hold on. Uh-uh. God ain't no respecter of a person. What he do for one, he'll do for the other. God will deliver you. The, but, 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 but how is that God's fault if you don't want to be delivered? How is that his problem if I don't want to be delivered? Brothers and sisters, we got to get our heart and our minds in line. That, so, so, so we saw that that word, that, that's what that word sight represented. Now, in verse 12, we said, uh, um, in verse 12, we saw that, and the children of Israel, amen, did evil again in the sight of the Lord, all right? And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel. And we learned that that word strength, okay, meant to make strong 
or stronger or prevail, but it also meant to let grow strong. So when the Bible says that he strengthened um, the king of England, what he's telling you is that he allowed the king of England to grow stronger against the children of Israel. Okay. He allowed them to grow stronger than that. And the Bible says, you know, it says that Eglon, the king, he strengthened, he strengthened Eglon, Eglon, the king of Moab against Israel. Why did he do it? Because he had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, God is not going to keep running interference for you if you continue to do what is wrong in the sight of the Lord. Listen, brothers and sisters, God gives you the Holy Ghost so that you can do better. That's why, that's one of the reasons why he gives you the Holy Ghost, so that you can do better. God gives the Holy Ghost because he knows that on your own, your best effort is going to come up short. So what God knew was that he needed to partner with you. He knew that if you was going to overcome, it, there needed to be an inside job. That's why true deliverance, if you want true deliverance, brothers and sisters, you got, to, you got to have the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. Why? Because deliverance is a walk, is a daily walk. You have to walk in it day by day. And the only way you're going to get the strength that you need is by way of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And, and if you're on this call and you're listening to it, the only way for you to get the Holy Ghost, God got to give it to you. It is a gift. You got to be born of the water and of the spirit. Amen. That means you got to repent of your sins. You got to be done with that. Turn, turn your mind off and away from the things of sin. And you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he will give you that gift. <laughs> that I like, I like the gift that keeps on giving. That's the gift of the Holy Ghost. God will give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you get it, you ain't gonna wonder, do I have it or not? No, no, no. There is a sign that will accompany that thing that you will begin to speak in a, you will begin to pray in a language that didn't nobody ever teach you. Amen. So you just need, you need to know that. Okay. Amen. Now the word, the scripture goes on in verse 13 and then says this, and he gathered unto him the children of Ammon, Ammon and Amalek and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. Now we learned according to Joshua, according to Deuteronomy, okay, 34 and three, we learned that more than likely the city of palm trees that being referred to here is the city of Jericho. And we also learned that Jericho, amen, according to Joshua 6:26, was a cursed city. Amen. So Josh, so Jericho is one of the cities that the children of Israel had to conquer. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and it, but it was a fortified city for those of you who, who don't know. Okay. It was a fortified city and they had walls that looked all but impenetrable. Okay. And so God, um, and so the children of Israel, they, 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 they take the Ark of the Covenant and they put the singers out and they march around this, the, the city of Jericho and they march around seven times and, and they get to the final time and they shout and the Bible tells us that the walls fall and the children of Israel, the warriors, they're able to go in and they're able to claim the city or, take, or, or they're able to, to take the city of, of, of Jericho. But in Joshua chapter six, verse 26, we learn something. Bible says this, and Joshua adjured them 
at the time at that time saying cursed be the man before the lord that raiseth up and buildeth this this city jericho he shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates thereof the point i want you to pay lock in on he says cursed be the man before the lord that raiseth up and buildeth the city of jericho so the city is burnt is is they is is brought to its knees it's conquered okay and it was meant to stay conquered i want you to stay with me because i'm going somewhere jericho fell but jericho was meant to stay falling jericho represents oppression Jericho represents uh, bondage, okay? Jericho represents addiction. Jericho represents enslavement or slavery. That's what Jericho represents. And when the walls fail through obedience, I want you to catch this. The walls of Jericho fall by way of obedience. They had to march around that city and they had to keep on going and they had to be singing and they had to do all of these things and they had to shout. And when they shouted, the walls fell. The bondage was broken. The chains were loose. All of this was a result of obedience and the walls of Jericho were meant to stay defeated. They were meant to stay in ruin. And so, so, and so Joshua here in chapter six, Joshua 6 and 26 says, Cursed be the man before the Lord that raises up and builds the city. So there's a curse on it. There's a curse on the rebuilding of that which was meant to stay dead. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you that when God delivers you, he meant for your deliverance to last a lifetime. Can I tell you that when God delivered it, when God killed off that thing that had you bound, it was meant to stay down. I'm telling you right now, God, when, 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 when God stepped into the ring with, with your bondage, with, 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 with your addiction, when God stepped in, God threw a blow that laid it out and it was meant to stay down. It wasn't gonna get no 10 count. It wasn't coming up after that. It was meant to stay down. That's what it was meant to do. But what happened here, the children of Israel, they go back into repeated sin. And when they go back into repeated sin, they allowed the thing that was dead to be resurrected. All of a sudden, it began to gain strength all over again. It began to gain momentum all over again. And before you knew it, the king of Eglon had become stronger than the children of Israel. And the king of Eglon, again, in this, also represents the thing that God delivers you from. When they went back to repeated sin, they gave life they spoke life back into the thing that God had delivered them from. And why repeated sin, because God does not bless mess, God did not run interference and stop the king of Egon from growing strong. No, he let it ride. And if he would do that, then what makes you and I any different when he loves us just the same? That God is somehow going to allow you and I to get away with unrighteous. No, he not. No, he is not. I'm telling you right now, if you're on this call and you got that in your mind, you got, listen, get it out your mind. 
Start to make your way past that right now. God is not going to bless mess. You don't care what your pedigree is, okay? It don't matter what household you was born in. I don't care how long you've been at the church. It doesn't matter. That, I, I, listen, you can be born with a microphone in your hand and with an angelic voice. And every time, so you, listen, it does not matter. God is no respecter of persons. And if sin will take the, you know, the greatest of us down, it'll also take the least of us down. There is no winning in sin. So they allowed this, they be through repeated sin, Elon was allowed to gain momentum. And when he gained momentum, the first thing that he did, the first thing that Elon did was that he rebuilt a cursed city. And that represents what happens to us, brothers and sisters, with our deliverance. We, 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 we engage in, in wrong behavior. God delivers us. And, you, when we, and when he first delivered us, we were strong in our prayer. We were, we were, we were attending our Bible study. We were, we were having our own private, re, uh, um, private reading times and study times. Not only that, but we were also, we were also rejoicing in the Lord. We found, ourselves, we found ourselves praying and praising and, and edifying ourselves in psalms and melodies. As the scripture tells us, we were really following and doing. We stayed in contact with those who edified us. We didn't go, we weren't quick to go run to people who were busybodies, people who didn't mean us no good, people who would encourage us to do that. We, we stayed away from them. We changed the whole cast of characters and everything, and we started walking in the right way. But then all of a sudden something happened. We some, somewhere along the line, we somewhere along the line, we began to entertain the idea that we got this God. I, you know, God, I think I got it from here. I learned it. I, I, I understand the movements. I'll repeat that, God. I'll keep that going. Thanks, Jesus. I appreciate that. And so then we started taking our deliverance in our own hands, forgetting who delivered us in the first place, forgetting what we went through and what we did and the, our, the, the articles and the tenets of, the, the, of, of our deliverance, forgetting those things. We, 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 we too quickly turn aside out of, out, out, out of the way. It was like when Moses went up to the, up to the mountain he, to receive the, 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 the commandments and, and he's up there and, and the Lord is, is, is breaking it down. He writing that, he, I mean, the Lord just, he, he writing it all. He, give, he giving it, giving that to Moses and all of a sudden down there uh, at, the, at, the, at the foot of the, at the, at the mountain, what happened? Uh, Aaron loses control of the people and all of a sudden they start going, just, just going buck wild just all the way out of control. And all of a sudden, to where God stops short with Moses, Moses, get down. These people have all corrupted themselves already. Just that quick, turn, that quick, they turn out of the way. They turn out of the way. And we do the same thing. God delivers us. And we're enjoying the blessing and we're walking in the deliverance. But then we turn out of the way too quick. We start trying to take it on, on in, in, by our own strength, walk in it and secure our own way. But then the more we try to do it, you know what happens? The more those old habits and those tendencies start to creep back in. And before you know, we ain't handling it through the spirit. We starting to handle it through the flesh. See, because in order to handle a thing through the spirit, you got to stay connected to the spirit because the spirit empowers you. And outside, Jesus, Jesus, listen, to make it plain, Jesus said, he is the vine, and guess what? You are the branches. He said, you know, as long as you connected to him, you got power. You can do it. But as long, but as soon as you get disconnected, as soon as I get disconnected, there go to the power right there. And what happens is, is that we start, we try to persevere on 
after having been disconnected. Brothers and sisters, it ain't, listen, this journey ain't designed to work that way. This walk is not designed for you to be successful on your own. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. It is important to God that you stay dependent on him. That is why God will never just remove all your problems, all your worries, all your fears. He ain't gonna do that. People be talking like that's what God do. He don't do that. He don't do that. If he did that, then it would have been only one prayer, somebody asking that, and you would never see nobody else going through it. No, God doesn't do that. Why? Because the trying of your faith is more precious than gold. Why? Because God, because he that hath begun a good work will complete it. God knows what he's doing, brothers and sisters. And even though it gets hard sometimes, guess what? God has already spoken victory over you. But we turn out of the way like, like, like the children of Israel did. And what ends up happening is, is, is that that thing grows in momentum. It gains a foothold. And before you know it, just like Eglon and the Amalekites went and rebuilt the city of Palms or rebuilt Jericho, if you will, or, or we too do the same thing. We go back and we rebuild a cursed city. We rebuild build the thing that God has delivered you and I from. And that's not what God wants for us. See, deliverance, we learned this early on about two lessons ago, but I'm reminded to us, I'm going to remind us again tonight, okay? Deliverance really um, is or refers to the act of delivering someone or something. So it's the, it's the state of being delivered. Okay, and, um, and, and some words that, that, that fall in line with it are words of words like liberation and rescue, okay? These are words that, are, that have close ties to, um, to deliverance, okay? Something delivered, okay? And, when, and we learned that, you know, deliverance, it can, be a, uh, it, can, it, it can be a physical thing as if you deliver something to someone, but it also can be a spiritual thing. And that's where, where we are. We're talking about in its spiritual application. Now, biblical deliverance, we, told, we said this before. I'm going to say this again. Biblical, the Bible deals with deliverance quite a bit, okay? But, but biblical deliverance encompasses rescue or redemption and the agent of such rescue, okay? So biblical deliverance, yes, it is rescue, and yes, it is, um, yes, it does cover redemption, but biblical deliverance also deals with the agent or the means by which God delivers you. So when the Bible talks about deliverance, the Bible will often deal with deliverance from the perspective of not just rescuing a person or redeeming a person, or salvation is another word that we can use in here for that, but it also deals with the means by which he talks about or brings about. So in other words, if we were talking about salvation or we're talking about sin, guess what? Well, the deliverance from sin is salvation, okay? But the topic of salvation, when the Bible gets ready to discuss salvation, the Bible is not getting ready to discuss salvation without talking about Jesus. It's, Jesus is the agent by which the deliverance or salvation comes. So when the Bible deals with deliverance from sin, it's never going to talk about deliverance from sin just for the sake of delivering from sin. Uh-uh, no. It's going to talk about deliverance from sin, and it's going to talk about that deliverance from the perspective that it comes from a Savior, okay? It comes from Jesus, all right? So the biblical deliverance 
always encompasses the deliverance and the deliverer, okay? Or the means by which God delivers. And that's something that we need to keep in mind. Why? Because deliverance, brothers and sisters, is the escape hatch of life. When you find yourself in trouble, when you get yourself in a pickle, you just you in a bind and things are going on, deliverance is the escape hatch of life. Amen. Deliverance also, I hope you're writing this down, okay? Deliverance also, you keep this in mind, deliverance is not just an escape hatch of life, but deliverance is an optional privilege granted to those in bondage. It's an optional privilege granted to those in bondage, but it is never ever forced on those who need it. So it's an optional privilege, okay? that's granted to those who are in bondage. But even though you're in bondage and you need it, and you need to be delivered, I need to be delivered, God never forces that deliverance on you. That's what that means. You got to keep that in mind. It's an optional privilege. That means that you don't, that, that, that means that, 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 that there ain't no promise that you just, that, that says you have to be delivered. Uh-uh. No, God wants you to be delivered. God has put in provisions for you to be delivered. But God ain't going to make you be delivered if you don't want to be. You want to stay stuck? God will let you stay stuck. Listen, God is not going to chase you and I in sin. No. He already did all the chasing he's going to do. What did he do, Brother Walker? He went to the cross. He died on Calvary, paid it all for crimes he didn't commit. What did he do, Brother Walker? He got up on the third day with all power of heaven and earth. What did he do, Brother Walker? He ascended to heaven. What did he do? He gave us the Holy Ghost. What did he do? He's calling you and I to him. But you and I have to decide whether or not we're going to answer that. So you want to keep that in mind. Amen. Bondage. Hear me now. It is bondage or addiction or whatever it is that makes deliverance necessary. It's because we get, we get in bondage. It's because we get addicted. It's because we get enslaved. It's because we get all of these different things. That's what makes deliverance necessary. But even though bondage makes deliverance necessary, and I want you to hear me well on this, it does not make it mandatory. Bondage makes deliverance necessary, but it does not make it mandatory. Again, rebuilding on what we said before, God does not have, listen, God wants to deliver you, but God will allow you to stay undelivered if you don't want to be delivered. If you are, if you are, if you, if your mind is made up and you set on doing what you're doing, you feel like you got it, you, and look, ain't nothing I can do for you. Nobody can do for you. Nobody on this phone can do anything for you. Nobody, it don't, it don't, you might as well don't cancel the phone call to go to, to go have a pity party and talk to somebody about what, what you talk to, to try to get them to talk you off the, uh, no, you got to first change your mind. You got to first decide that you want to be delivered, which means that you got to come to the end of yourself, brothers and sisters. You got to look at yourself for yourself. And you got to own this thing. You got to own that you are in trouble and that you need God. But, it's, but, but it goes a step before, but further than that. You can't just own that. 
you got to commit to doing your part because guess what? God is not going to just deliver you and not give you a part to play. Uh-uh. God's going to give you something to do. And that's where we spin out of control. Most of the time is, is that we wait and go, we, not, we want God, listen, we want God to not only provide the deliverance, but we want God to just throw it on us. God is not going to do all of that. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to deliverance, God, listen, prayer and the desire to want to be delivered is key. God takes that key and then he unlocks the door. He does not open the door. He unlocks the door. Your job is to open the door. The door is unlocked and it's ready for you. Everything that you're going to need is inside. It's just in, the, it's just in the other room. But God is not going to throw you in that room. And God is not going to open up that door. Why? Because you opening the door is a sign of faith. And God will always test faith. He's going to always do that. There ain't going to be no time where God's not going to test your faith, brother and sister. No, he's the author and finisher of your faith. God going to make sure that you're legit. Why? Because God don't want no pretenders. God don't want a fake believer. All fake believers go to hell. God wants the real deal. So part of you being a real deal is obedience. Part of me being a real deal is obedience. So God's going to open that door. God's going to give me something. I got something to do, and I got to do that. I got to walk through that. It's not going to be based on my own power. No, 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 no. Even opening the door, I might not have the strength to. But there again, that's where God comes in. He, he, he give, that's why he gives us the Holy Ghost. He will even help you open the door. You just got to be willing to do your part. Amen. Glory to God. That's one of those things. So deliverance, bondage makes deliverance necessary, but it does not make it mandatory. See, there is never any value or benefit in pretending that we don't need help or deliverance when we actually do. The longer you and I put off the, the realities. Listen, if the boat that you own is taken on water, let me be the first to tell you, you are sinking. No, no, you're not, you're not floating with style. You are sinking. If you are in a boat and it is taking on water, you are sinking. And you need deliverance. It doesn't matter what, the, what it is. It can be an addiction. It can be a bad behavior. It can be a way of living. It doesn't matter what it is. That's the beauty of God. God's deliverance works on any situation. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter how far you've gone. Doesn't matter how, how, how long you've been out there. But Brother Walker, I've been out there and I ain't, man, you know, you just don't know, you know, Brother Walker. I don't need to know because the answer is still the same. It's, it's only one answer. And that answer is Jesus. And he got the power. God got you when you don't have yourself. And as long as you are willing to go to him, God, listen, he's going to show you a new thing. God will make quick work of any bondage that you got going on, but you got to do it his way. You have to. There's no value in pretending that you're not in trouble when you know that you really are in trouble. See, deliverance has various aspects that should always be considered and we should always take into account. And one of those things is, is that deliverance can be declined. We mentioned this once before. Look at Matthew. Chapter 13, verse 15. Look at what Jesus got to say. For this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Watch the language here. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest at any time 
They should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Notice the language. He said their heart is wax gross. That means it got thick with grease and just nastiness. He said their heart has waxed gross and their ears have become dull of hearing and their eyes, they have closed. Who closed them? They closed them. They closed their eyes. And as a result, they forfeited deliverance that was waiting in the wings. Why? Because they closed their eyes. They chose not. Deliverance, brothers and sisters, can be declined. And the result of refusing the deliverance that you and I know we need can be dire because our text, look at verse number 14 in Judges chapter three says this. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. They were enslaved and served transitional folk, people who were not even meant to be in their life for any long period of time, people that was should have just been passing through or passing by. They found themselves in bondage for 18 years. Now, the Bible teaches us that generally the length or the lifespan of, of, of a person is about 80 years. Amen. So if we break that down into four quarters, we get just about 20, we get 20 years, right? 20, 40, 60, 80. All right. Now, I want you to think about it. They were in bondage two years shy of a quarter of their life, all behind disobedience. And so I am going to ask this rhetorical question, and I think this is probably where we will end it tonight. How long are you willing to start over in your deliverance? How often are we going to press the reset button on our deliverance? How long? How long are you willing once God has started that deliverance, how long are you willing to reset it and start all over again? Think about that. Wow.